Hello, and welcome to the Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at college basketball in uh, in Rhode Island and around the country. This is Kevin McNamara, and uh, I'm here with Bill Koch. Uh, last night, the uh, URI Rams kept rolling along in the Atlantic 10, and tonight the Providence Friars are at Seton Hall. But Bill, uh, nice to see you again. I, I took a week week off the college basketball circuit to... Uh, had to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, for our listeners, we apologize for the absence last week. Kevin was in Houston with the Patriots, uh, you know, and obviously saw something that he might never see again, and that the rest of us might not ever see again. Uh, you know, that sort of comeback against the Falcons and the overtime win. Uh, you got to witness history, Kevin. I, I would imagine it was quite a time. It was certainly memorable. I'm actually writing a little bit more of a, a follow, I guess you could say, for tomorrow's uh, Thursday's journal and. Uh, just a lot of things that stick in your mind in a long, long week. It's eight days down in Houston um, with media access on, uh, you know, four of the eight, or really five of the eight. So it, it, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. Needless to say, uh, you move and groove with a lot of people. Uh, a lot of good parties down there. Hall of Famers everywhere. Big names everywhere. It's the Super Bowl, and it was my first uh, look at the Super Bowl. And um, needless to say, the game. Tops all games. Uh, greatest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl. Might be the greatest comeback in the history of professional sports on a championship stage anyways. I, I really can't think of any other. Um, but this is the Pick and Pop podcast. So we're back to basketball. I will say that I saw Providence uh, play Villanova really tight last week at the dunk on television. And uh, while everyone else was going crazy at the Super Bowl, I would always say, hey, can you put that... You know, TV there on the uh, Duke game or the Rhode Island game, and they look at me crazy like, you know, every t- every TV has to be on the NFL network with one pregame show after the next. But I saw enough. I saw enough. I, I, I was out of the loop but stayed in the loop, if you know what I mean. Well, welcome to Texas because it is all football all the time, as we know. Um, you know, I think the great thing about you coming back at this point, Kevin, is we still have significant things to talk about here. Rhode Island and Providence both still in the NCAA conversation. Uh, you know, and, and it sets up a, a really interesting final month, uh, you know, for the listeners and, and for the college basketball fans in the state. Yeah, and uh, we're going to start with the Rams, who, again, are, are red hot right now. They're doing what they need to do in the Atlantic 10, including a 70-62 win at Amherst last night. Uh be honest with you, Bill, I watched the game, and I was not impressed with UMass. They, they played much better at the Ryan Center than they did at home at the Mullen Center. Uh, but really, maybe a lot of that had to do with with the Rams. You know, they're now eight and three in the league. Uh, we'll talk about their next couple of weeks, but just a little bit on last night. Uh, Got to give them a lot of credit. They took care of business in impressive fashion. First win at UMass since 2009, and the first season sweep of the Minutemen since 2002-2003. Uh, it's been a long, long time since they've had that kind of success against the old rival. Uh, and I think it starts at the defensive end, Kevin. Uh, this team. Over the last five or six games, they've won five out of six now, four in a row. They've really clamped down on the defensive end. You look at UMass's backcourt last night, Luan Pipkins and Dijon Giroux went a combined one for 12 in this game. The only guy who really got off was Dante Clark. He had 30 points. Other than him, you you look at his teammates, they shot 35% from the field, three for 17 from three, committed 19 turnovers. Rhode Island is back to the sort of defensive identity and toughness that carried them into the NIT in 2015. The difference is this team has more offensive talent 
and there you go they have much uh, uh, you know much more of a ceiling here. Yeah, I'm curious to see if we can still say the same thing as the games get tougher, the opponents get tougher. I think we've seen all year that the Atlantic Ten is is very disjointed. It, it has its three, four, maybe five, maybe five uh, quality teams at the top, and then some pretty good teams, and then it gets very soft. And I'm not quite sure where UMass fits in, in that uh, along that line. Uh, but uh, again, that doesn't matter at this stage of uh, February. Now, it's about uh, getting past the teams who aren't very good and getting ready for the big games. And uh, the Rams have a very, very big one on Friday. Uh, maybe the, the biggest home game of the Dan Hurley era, if you really want to talk about it uh, and, and rate them, when the first place Dayton uh, comes into town. Yeah, I think it's a very good point because it is a top 50 game. Rhode Island currently is one and two against the RPI top 50. Uh, and down the stretch, they're going to have two more chances guaranteed to play top 50 teams. Dayton is one of them, and VCU is another uh, on February 25th coming into the Ryan Center. Um, you know, for everything that this game is worth, uh, you know, Kevin, going into Selection Sunday, the committee wants to judge you based on your quality wins, whether that be against the top 25, which they have won in Cincinnati, whether it be against the top 50, uh, you know, which they have two more chances now to get. Um, you know, but if you're able to win those two games, you'll be three and two against the top 50 guaranteed going into Pittsburgh for the A10 championships. It's a very strong and important line on your resume to have. And it's the type of game that Rhode Island, to show their growth and their maturity as a program, not just as a team, but as a program, has to be able to win at home. No question. And, you know, if you dig deeper into the roadie resume, uh, interestingly, their RPI it was funny. I, I called you yesterday, Bill. I said, geez, I think I just saw the RPI, and I saw that Rhode Island was, was 33. Actually, I think it was like 38, and they went up, I think they're currently 32 after they win at UMass. And I... That was not the case when I left for the Super Bowl. And it just doesn't take very long this time of year to make some pretty good jumps if, A, you beat a top 50 team, which uh, wasn't the case with the Rams, but more importantly, win road games. And uh, so Rhodey's RPI is good for two reasons right now. Number one, they have done well on the road with a couple wins. And also their uh, non-conference RPI, uh, non-conference strength of schedule, excuse me, I think is up to 15 in the country. When you talk about a win over Cincinnati and then some losses to some teams that are really enjoying good seasons, uh, namely Valparaiso, uh, Belmont, uh, Providence is, is uh, 72, I believe. Quite a few top 100 uh, teams. Beating Cincinnati and beating Belmont right now, those two wins are going a long way in terms of those metrics. Uh, you know, The Cincinnati win is the best win in the A-10 this year by any team, uh, in conference or out of conference. Uh, you know, it's the only win by the A-10 over a top-25 team. Um, you know, and, and that is going to carry Rhode Island a long way uh, in terms of the metrics. Um, you know, but Friday is the chance, you know, another chance to prove on the court that Rhode Island does deserve to be in that bubble discussion uh, and maybe on the right side of that bubble discussion going into the last full month of the regular season. Yeah, again, to continue the conversation on the, on the NCAA resumes, uh, you know, we've done this for a long time. There's many things that the committee looks at uh, one is that non-conference strength of schedule, which is that's obviously going to be a plus for the Rams uh, right up until Selection Sunday. But the other is uh, your top 50 and top 100 wins. They're not going to be matched up on Selection Sunday against VCU and Dayton. They're going to be matched up against, you know, pick pick the other you know teams from power leagues, whether it's uh, Virginia Commonwealth or uh, or a Seton Hall 
uh, uh, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson like you know, a, a slew of a Syracuse. There'll be a lot of teams from the ACC uh, out west. Uh, you know, it, it could be you know California. You know, who, who knows uh, Utah. And, you know, those teams will have some top 25, top 50, and top 100 wins. Rhode Island doesn't have a lot of chances left because really only Dayton and VCU, uh, I think we know, will be left in the top 50 uh, from the A-10 at the end of the line. So they have two chances left. They're both at home. In theory, you might see one of those teams in the Atlantic 10 tournament as well. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is Rhode Island does not want to go to Selection Sunday with only one or two top 50 wins. They need more. And the good news is they have opportunity. Right, and if you win both of these games, even if you do see one of those teams in the Atlantic 10 tournament, you've assured yourself a 500 record uh, against the top 50, which you know people are going to look at and say it's critically important. I also think that if you're able to gain a, a split of the season series with Dayton, uh, you know, even if they end up going on to win the conference, whether it be the regular season or the tournament, I think that has great value. Um, you know, I also think that that this team in particular, uh, you know, is more ready for this sort of thing than, than any other team that Dan Hurley has had. You look at the NIT season, uh, they had some close misses, whether it be against Davidson, um, you know, whether it be against Dayton. Uh, there were some games down the stretch that, that they could have won to put themselves in a position to be in the NCAAs well, and, and, and didn't do it. And to interrupt, Bill, uh, that year when Rhode Island made the NIT, they really weren't close to the NCA. Right. Uh, and heading into, you know, like the Atlantic 10 tournament. They had to win the tournament. I think barring, you know, uh, a couple of home, you know, the big home losses here down the stretch, I think they're going to be in position. So this is this team is not only the best team that Rhode Island has had, but it's also the best positioned. Yes, I, th- I think that's a good point. And, and you look at the way that their personnel is performing right now. Uh, you know, last night... You went on the road. Granted, it's UMass, whatever. doesn't matter the opponent. These conference road games are difficult. If you look at the carnage that goes on throughout the rest of the country, you have top ten teams going on the road and getting beat. You look at this box score last night. Karan Iverson and E.C. Matthews were three for 13. They had 15 points. You still won this game. And you weren't really in any trouble in the second half. You led by two possessions for the last 15-30. There's not another Rhode Island team that Dan Hurley has had where two of his studs could have had off nights like that, and they could have won the game on the road. There's no way. No, there's two young guys who are really playing well right now. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I haven't seen Rhode Island enough uh, in the last 10 days that I can say the second one, but uh, Jeff Doughton has been outstanding in in, uh, in a reserve, now a starting role at point guard, but Nicola Kelly last night was probably the key guy in the whole game, and uh, I don't know what he had done in previous Rhode Island games, especially at Davidson, but uh, just speak to those two right now. Well, Jeff Doughton right now is looking like one of the best freshmen in the league. Uh, you know, his last two games he played against Jack Gibbs, who is one of the best players in the A-10, and Dijon Giroux, who's one of the best freshmen in the league. He held them to two for 18 from the field combined. Since he's become the starter seven games ago, he has 25 assists and six turnovers, which is an outstanding ratio. Last night, five assists, a career high, and no turnovers in 32 minutes at UMass. Uh, you know, and Nicola Kelly, going into last night at UMass, had played single-digit minutes in three of his previous five games. Last night he goes out 12 points, six rebounds, three assists, three steals, no turnovers, because Karan Iverson is in early foul trouble. And I think that speaks to the level of preparation, focus, and, and the sharpness that this team has, even from its bench players. You know, the, the, the amount that these guys have bought in, 
when cultures talk about culture and they talk about attitude and they talk about you know the collective uh, sort of mindset of their teams, that sort of performance is what you look at as the ideal example of a team that one through thirteen is invested, bought in, and ready to go every night. And uh, you know it's a long season. You're always going to need you know your seventh, eighth, ninth guy to step up and. Uh, uh, Kelly has done that a few times this year and even, certainly even was ready. Even if it's just one, one game. Time. One yeah. game out of 30. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That might be the one game that you recruited that guy to play where he gets you over the top. And, and people will look and say, well, maybe you should get more minutes against Dayton or maybe you should get more minutes. No. He made his contribution right there. Be happy with what it is. And ideally, if he gets that chance the next time Karan Iverson's in foul trouble, he might be able to do it again. He'll be ready. He'll certainly have the confidence to go out and do it again. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens on Friday night uh, when Dayton comes in. The uh, Flyers took care of business against, I believe it was St. Joe Saint last Joe's, night. Yes. Um, it was funny, during the URI broadcast, they talked about this game a little bit. I know you didn't hear it last night, but they talked about um, the return for Dayton of uh, the transfer from Bradley, uh, Josh Cunningham. Cunningham. Yes. And yet, I didn't see him in the box score, but in theory, he, he may be ready to come back and play for the Flyers. Dressed but did not play Tuesday night uh, and could be available off the bench on Friday. Uh, suffered a, a pretty serious ankle injury, had surgery against Alabama. He's a forward, uh, about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, transfer from Bradley. Um, it was expected to, to give Dayton a significant boost in the front court. Uh, you know, after the, the awful tragedy in the offseason, the death of Steve McIlvain, uh, the big center, um, you know, passed away. Uh, you know, Cunningham was going to take a lot of those minutes that, that they projected McIlvain to play. Um, you know, and, and you put him alongside Kendall Pollard, and, and that's a pretty good one-two uh, that matches up pretty well with Hassan Martin and Karan Iverson. Uh, you know, would be interested to see what Dayton does. I know the first game out at UD Arena, Scoochie Smith was the dominant player in that game. He had 22 points. Uh, he outplayed Jarvis Garrett, who we found out later w- was dealing with this illness that's kept him on the sidelines uh, for seven games now. Um, but he was a dominant player in the game. Dayton won 67-64. Uh, it was a huge crowd, the typical huge crowd at UD Arena, uh, you know, one of the best home atmospheres in all college basketball. And you know, Ideally, the Rams are hoping that the Ryan Center will give them a similar advantage on Friday. We've seen in the past that at times it hasn't necessarily. Uh, but if you're going to come out to one game, this is the game. I, I can't imagine that it won't be uh, full, if not uh, really close to full, uh, and the Rams will get that home court advantage that every team needs uh, in a big-time game in February. I'd be shocked if that's not the case. And to be honest, with you, there's really no need to talk about it because I know the ticket sales are very strong. And uh, you always always never know about the students, but a Friday night in Kingston, I think they'll be there in force. I would hope so. Shouldn't be much of a problem. Um, And Scoochie Smith uh, versus Jeff Dowden, if if that's the way that uh, Dan Hurley wants to go, is the matchup to watch. I don't know if the freshman's ready for Scoochie, uh, but he's playing well. If he's ready for Jack Gibbs, he's ready for Scoochie. Good point. Good point. And especially at home. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see... um, how the Rams uh, match up with Dayton. Uh, big time game in the Atlantic 10 on Friday night that will be on national TV. ESPN 2. Uh, ESPN 2, exactly. Yes, I'm uh, going to wrap up quick here with uh, the Friars a little bit. Again, they're at Seton Hall tonight. Uh, PC, in a strange kind of way, is, is still hanging in there in the, in the Big East. Uh, you know, the NCAA tournament is still a long way away. Uh, there's no reason to link Providence with the NCAAs yet. 
until they start knocking off some NCAA level teams. And they have uh, well, they have two huge home games coming up. They have Butler on Saturday and Xavier next Wednesday. And the next time we do this podcast, we'll have some answers on the Friars. Uh, uh, I know that you, you saw the Villanova game, another opportunity uh, that the Friars had with the top, you know, f- number four team in the country that they let slip away. And, you know, I think I just wrote the Big East is a, a league filled with opportunities, but you have to take advantage at some point, and the Friars just haven't done that yet. Yeah, Villanova was the start of a stretch for Providence where they played five straight games against RPI top 25 teams. Uh, I mean, if, if that's not opportunity, I don't know what is. Uh, you know, it was very unfortunate the way that game finished. Uh, you know, the down four, about a minute and a half to go, Alpha Diallo misses the front end of a one-and-one. Uh, you know, then they have a possession late where Rodney Bullock turns it over. Jalen Brunson goes the other way for a three-point play, and the game's over. Yep. Uh, you know, Brunson was was the dominant player in that game, Kevin. I, I think, you know, outside of Justin Patton, he's probably the most improved player in the Big East. Uh, you know, he was in total command at, at points of that game. Um, you know, but like you said, Providence has Butler at home. They have Xavier at home, which you know suffered an awful injury to Edmund Sumner. He's out for the year. Uh, you know, so you think you might be able to to steal that one as well, um, you know, and you got DePaul coming in here, so you're able to win those three games. That puts you up to seven, and uh, and Marquette comes in, who they already have a win over. Marquette, they go to St. John's. I think the magic number for Providence, the best case scenario, is a nine and nine, nine and nine, and a nine and nine with you know 19 wins in the Big East is. Put you in the mix. One more at Madison Square Garden puts yep. you to twenty. The worst you can be is ten and ten in the Big East. Uh, you know, and you're going to get serious discussions because the Big East, top to bottom, has done a terrific job in terms of the metrics, in terms of the RPI. Uh, there are going to be multiple teams, up to six, maybe seven teams in the Big East, uh, who will be discussed at some point uh, going into that weekend and selection Sunday. Yep, there's eight teams in the top seventy-five in the RPI right now. Uh, we'll see among a group of uh, Providence, Marquette, Seton Hall, uh, Georgetown, we'll see if any of those teams can get hot down the stretch. That's what it's going to take to uh, get it done. Let's play the who's in, who's out game right yeah. now for the Big East. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's start right at the top, and we'll play who's in, who's out. Well, certainly uh, the top four are all in, uh, Villanova, Xavier, Butler, Creighton. All could be uh, Villanova's a one seed probably, and all four could be four seeds. After that, I don't think anyone's in. I think they're all again have resumes that are that are have some positives, have some negatives, and they need to win games. I think Seton Hall's the best team of that group. Agreed. Um, but they need and and they've done a good job non-conference uh, to separate themselves a little bit. Uh, but strangely enough, Georgetown has the best wins. Uh, they've beaten Butler, they've beaten Xavier, and they beat Oregon in the non-conference, and yet they somehow. Have uh, twelve losses. They're thirteen and twelve overall. Yeah. They're a very, very strange team. Uh, Providence already owns a sweep over them. So, uh, you know, every team has serious holes in its resume and needs to needs to keep keep doing work, as they say. I, I look at that group, and I, you know, as I've said before on this podcast, I just have I have no confidence in Georgetown. Um, I like Seton Hall's talent. I, I think their players are good. Uh, I don't necessarily think that every night they, they play to the collective, uh, but I think that they have three or four guys who every team in the league would want, and that includes Villanova, uh, and that includes Xavier and, and Butler and Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Marquette. I know you saw that game out there. I, I just, 
you know, they have some wins that I, I look at and I say, I don't quite know how they've done this. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think they're that great, but they're in good position right now. They're in good position. They're a good offensive team, and that makes them dangerous in any game. Uh, and they have uh, a marquee win. They beat Villanova. Again, uh, not too many number one seeds. Teams that beat number one seeds don't make the NCAA tournament. But at 6-6, six and six, um, you know, the Golden Eagles, they need... All of those teams need to get the nine and nine to, right. to be happy, uh, right. to, to be confident. Anyways, heading into the Big East tournament. Uh, one last thing: both Bryant and uh, Brown have big, big weekends uh, uh, this weekend. Bryant, hopefully, the snow stops uh, long enough for LIU Brooklyn to get to town. Mm. They host uh, LIU on a Thursday night at the Chase Center. Bryant ends their season with five of six at home, beginning on Thursday night. So, uh, beginning of uh, the important stretch for the Bulldogs. And then Brown also has a home weekend. They have Harvard and Dartmouth. Harvard on Friday night, Dartmouth on Saturday at the Pizzatola Sports Center. Uh, both really good games. Uh, crowds will be good. So come on out and, uh, and enjoy the local college basketball scene. Every All four teams have important games uh, this coming weekend. Thanks very much.